What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today I'm fired up to get the opportunity to catch up, not just with my good buddy, but also a presenter at the 2023 seminar down there at Play HQ. KU football strength and conditioning coach, Matt Gildersleeve. Sleeve, how you doing, bro? Outstanding, man. Uh, couldn't be more excited. It's it's uh, what a what a cool year to do it. The new location, uh, getting everybody at the at the play headquarters there. New spot in Atlanta, right? I mean, it's technically not Atlanta, but right right outside Atlanta. Yeah, just a suburb, but it'll we'll call it the A for now. Okay, all right. I just didn't want to disrespect anybody there. Uh, I mean, yeah, more exciting. You know, it's 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 funny because you you know. It's my 10th year as a head strength coach now. And I've always, uh, as I've told you, I've always had the utmost respect for you, but, but this event and uh, it has such an incredible reputation um, of education, of learning and people who go there to actually grow. And so to now be speaking at it, uh, it's just, a, it's a little bit full circle for me and uh, it's very humbling and I, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're stoked to have you as part of it, man. You know, had you as part of, everything that we've done. And, you know, this is something that we've talked about a couple times and just couldn't make it work. And I'm fired up that, you know, we can bring you down there to Canton to play HQ and, you know, get to put sleeve on the docket. But, you know, before we get too far into what's going to happen in July, there's been quite a few changes since the last time we talked on that outside the rack, you know, a couple of years back, new spot, new digs, new things going on. So let's catch everybody up with coach sleeve and, and go from there. Yeah, so I think actually, oh, I can't remember if you were either in it or you were attending it or if we had talked about it, but uh, the last clinic we had at Buffalo um, was on a Saturday and Coach Leipold had taken the Kansas job on that Friday. So you talk about uh, unique for that is I kind of knew I was not going to be at, at uh, Buffalo on, on whatever that was, April 29th. And on April 30th, we had a had an online clinic at Buffalo uh, with full presenters and the whole the whole nine yards. So um got got uh got down to Lawrence, Kansas here um in May of of 2021. And uh it's been a it's been a freaking blur since man. It's been so much fun. It's been incredible. The, one of the biggest challenges of my career was that very first summer. Um, you know, we we didn't see the guys until June, which for those of you who aren't familiar with with the football world of things, is normally when you do take a new job, you take it in January as a program. So you have a whole off season, you have a whole spring ball, you have post spring ball training, and you have summer, which is still a pretty short time to get a football team uh, ready for the rigors of a season and culture and and training style and the whole nine yards. But we had eight weeks to do it. Um, so we, you know, the, the, I, we got here just in time to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with the guys in, in early May coach and I, we met with every guy on the team uh, and then they went home for three weeks and then we got them back the, you know, the first week of June, we had a really a seven week off season program with them. And then, uh, and then off to the races, we were, we were in August camp the first year uh, last, you know, not this, this past season, but the one before 2021, I think that was for me. Um, you just get 
you know, there's a, there's a decent amount of repetition in this, in this industry. Uh, and you're constantly trying to change things, but to really truly be forced to think about how are we going to implement a program to teach, uh, but to, to actually make some, we got to make some progression. We got to do some things. We got to lift some, some heavier weights. We got to move. We got to do these things. We got to, we got to install a culture. We got to install an offense. We got to install a defense. Um, all these things in the seven week program. So that summer was the most challenging of my career, but it's not even remotely close to, it was almost a little bit like COVID summer, you know, where a lot of people complain about what that was and don't get me wrong. It was a very rigorous summer, but the th amount of growth that I think we all had during that time because of the adversity that, that kind of forged that on you. Uh, I kind of got to repeat that again in 21. And uh, for that, I just feel like how much that uh, pushed me personally to try to find a way to build trust and relationships and culture. And same time you're coaching and you're doing all these things and to be forced into it in a seven week program uh, was just tremendous. And I think, you know, that first year was tough. You know, I think we, we did a lot of, of positive things, but still was tough. But I think the success you saw this year from Kansas football was really a reciprocation of those first seven weeks and, and really everything that went into it um, and the continued, the continued piece of that. So uh, we're going into season three here uh, at Kansas kind of funky to say the year, I guess, but we'll be starting season three here in 2023. Um, and, and I just couldn't be more excited. A great place to, to raise family. The, the fan base is incredible. It's it's not a town, it's a community. Probably the first place I've ever lived where you truly feel the community of Lawrence, Kansas and uh, incredible administration. Just beyond blessed to have a great athletic director and administration, a great head coach uh, who I have a phenomenal relationship with. So man, Jay, it'd be hard for me to find something to complain about. I am, I'm beyond blessed and we, uh, we plan on putting our roots down and, and sticking here for quite a while. That's awesome, man. As someone that's been lucky to be able to do that, I think that that's, that's the best thing is when you can actually find a spot that's like, this place is really for me. Like, this is great, you know, that you're able to find that and you're successful and, and all of the things that are really on the up and up there. Um, I want to circle back to something you brought up, you know, because I think that especially now as we are able to kind of take a step back and reflect over the last three or four years. You know, a lot of people do say, you know, how bad that COVID summer was and about how bad that try to return to sport was in that, you know, 2020, 21 season. But there's, I couldn't agree with you any, like it's physically impossible for me to like, if, if they could see how much I was nodding when you said, that that was the best thing that summer and how much you learned. Like there's so many people that look at it as the opposite, but I think those four months made me a hundred percent, a better coach. So what are some things when you look back at that, that really put an imprint on you? Because there's some things that like completely changed how I look at things based on how we restructured our return to sport because of that. And, I'd be really interested to hear like what you, what is really imprinted the most on sleeve since we came back. 
Yeah, well, I'm gonna. I know you probably wanted a specific answer. I'm gonna give a general one because I think this will this will relate. I think more with a lot of people is, I think it's the mindset of of really what it forces us to have. And um, I'm at the point now, like I said, being this being my tenth year as a head strength coach, you kind of it's as much as you don't want to get stuck in your ways. You know, you just have so much anecdotal evidence of things that work that you've seen and you start to have experience and it's so easy to rely on. I've done this. I know it works. I'm comfortable with this. We're going to do it again. Well, I, I go back and I always, I got these, I got this on my desk. I have, you know, the words Apple and Blockbuster uh, right here on my computer screen on a, on a sticky note right here. And what it reminds me of is, you know, you, you think about Apple and you think about the first iPod they ever made, you know, if any of those, I don't know how, how old the listeners are here, but old enough to remember the the little like toggle swivel you know swirl thing that was on the very first one um well that was one of the top grossing products in the United States of America when it came out but then you look year after year after year they took a product that was arguably the best product ever and they 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 fine tuned it they they altered it they adjusted it they they critiqued it and they made it even better to where now the iPod is nothing like most of it that really doesn't exist. It's just, it's, it's a phone and it, you're, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's totally different versus you look at Blockbuster. Blockbuster is one of the top grossing companies. Um, I think 2002, 2006, they're one of the top, top in the United States of America. Six years later, they're totally out of business. Why? Because they looked at it and go, what we're doing worked. It's great. Let's keep it. It's, it's awesome. They refuse to go digital. They refuse to do these things. And um, before you know it, Netflix came around and, you know, Blockbuster is no more. And so, what COVID did for me, what uh, what the first seven weeks here did for me is it forces you to look and adapt and adjust and say, what is what do we really need? What don't we really need? What am I not seeing? How can I look at this through a different lens? And so I've always generally had that mindset uh, to begin with, but I, I have to admit, the longer I've been in this now, I definitely get more comfortable with things that I know and you get ideas and they come across your desk and you're like yeah it's ah, that five three one okay that's a good method but uh, I don't know we've always done this method instead I don't know I don't want to try it you know and so it just it for me it's it's really forced that apple mindset and 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 really made me look hard in the mirror of making sure that I'm not freaking blockbuster and that 20 years from now people aren't saying that and then my ass ain't out of business if you know what I mean so um, I know that's not the, probably the specific, you know, thing, but that, that generally, that general mindset that that really forced, I think has been tremendous for me, man. Unbelievably tremendous. Ah, dude. I love that because you look at, especially the iPod and like they took a, a Apple took, like you said, one of the top grossing products in the country. And not only did they evolve it and they improve it, but they made it obsolete. You know, and I think that when we look at what we do in our small little vocation in sport, right? Like if we're not continually trying to evolve to make the things that we did five, 10, 15 years later, if people are lucky enough to be able to do this as long as we have, if we're not able to continue to evolve and adapt and to make the things that we used to do obsolete, then what have we been doing? You know, like, yeah, there are some certain things that will always stand the test of time, right? Sprinting, jumping, throwing, lifting, heavy things will probably make people better at sports. 
And we always like to say, you know, like you, you can't reinvent the wheel to some extent, but can you look at things and make them simpler? Can you look at things and make it more efficient? Can you look at your processes and, and the, you know, the different intricacies of your day to day and improve how that flows so that there's better ways for you to be better for the people you get to work with. I think that, you know, that analogy of looking at the iPad or excuse me, the iPod going to the Apple phone really basically is what happened yeah. and making such a fantastic product obsolete is really like that should be what we strive to do on the daily. Yeah. And I think that's a, I mean, I guess, twofold just to make sure that the uh audience doesn't think we're talking about just you know throwing out the the pillars you know that's that's not what i'm saying because the end of the day that you know what you said is is absolutely true we probably overcomplicate things way too much and one of the biggest things i've learned in my career is it seems like whenever i simplify things get a whole hell of a lot better uh results injuries whatever you name it um but my point is, is your mindset of are you willing to adapt, adjust, uh, to criticize, to take criticism, to really deeply analyze, to ask the deeper questions, to do those things. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, man. And, you know, like all too often, it's easier said than done. And I think that some of us who have been lucky to to be able to do this for a while yeah, we get stuck in our ruts and in our ways and all those things, you know, and I'm probably getting close to being old enough to be, you know, kind of the get off my lawn, you know, type age. But at the end of the day, like showing up, you know, when we get off this call, walking out there with these, you know, 16 guys and just knowing that I got to find a way to be better for each one of them today than I was yesterday is is what really helps. And I think that a lot of the things that we were all afraid of coming back from COVID, not virus related, but training related, um, really drove me to have to be better with that. And uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 rocking with you on that, a hundred percent. That that's great stuff. Hell yeah, now I'm with you. Well, listen, man. Let's uh, you know, speaking of looking back in time, let's get to the big three here. Let's let's start talking about some some lessons and things of that nature and if people didn't understand what an ipod was this next part we might be in a lot of trouble because they probably <laughs> that's the future but for the first one brother let's pretend doc brown and marty mcfly show up at your front door with the delorean you get one trip back in time to teach young matt one lesson what's that lesson going to be and why that's that's easy. That's uh. So this has been kind of a more recent one, and this is one that I boy I wish I would have had early, early on. And it's so simple, and it's so easy to execute once you like think about it like this. I just never saw it like this. So for those of you who who don't follow Brian Kite, K I G H T, Brian Kite, really all about a culture. You know, all about culture. Him, his dad, Tim Kite, they're. They're really, really good. We've had them come out a couple times. Uh, I've spent a good amount of time with them, but follow them on Twitter. Um, they're they're really, really powerful, full people and thinkers. Um, but have you seen uh have you seen the show? Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Billionaires. Have you seen that? Yeah, we started it. We're in the middle of it. Okay, you know Wendy, the the girl, the lady Wendy. Yeah. So like how she's like kind of like more or less like the performance coach for all the 
the business people like she talks them off the ledge gives them kind of all that kind of stuff she kind of breaks them down mentally and does all that so brian kite kind of got into that uh realm now he's kind of out of working with teams and more working with a private company now doing that so anyways i kind of got like a free session like from him uh, and he just broke my ass down and so like, i'm kind of telling him like what i what i think limits me and what um what things that i i struggle with uh putting different places. So anyways, one of the first things I talk about, so this is something I've always struggled, especially as a young coach um, leading up to really coming here is I've always been insanely ambitious, like in a positive way, but to a fault to where it's like, nothing is ever enough. Like it's, as soon as I accomplish one thing, it's just never gratif gratifying. And I'm just immediately on to the next, let's go, let's go, let's go. And uh, I've always felt that because of that, it's like not a grateful mindset and so that that part right there i've always really struggled with is man like i'm so ambitious i'm not grateful and that ain't that ain't a way to live life like you need to be thankful for what you have and start stop thinking about all the things you don't or where you know so i just always struggle with this balance of ambition and and gratitude and and how those things balance and i always felt like you know if I was ambitious, I could be grateful. I was grateful that I'm not ambitious. And I always struggle with that relationship. Like one way or the other, I feel like I wasn't serving those masters. And so I'm explaining this to Brian and he goes, he goes, Oh, that's easy. That's the hundred, that's the hundred, the, the hundred, hundred law, the law of 100, 100. And I go, okay, great. He goes, who told you you couldn't be both? And I go, well, well, I, yeah, I guess nobody. He goes, the law of 100, 100 is, why can't you be 100% ambitious and 100% grateful? Why, why do you have to be 61 and 40 to the other? Be 100 to both. Be 100% invested and grateful for where you are and be 100% ambitious and hungry as hell for what you want to accomplish in life. Just be both. And the amount of nights and walks I've taken thinking about ambition and gratitude that if I would have known that at a younger age to where now I have no anxiety about it. I have no guilt about it. I just, that's what I operate off. I operate off of the law of 100, 100. And, you know, whoever's listening, whatever your two things might be, I don't know what they are, but I know how much that helped me of just being able to sit there and go, hell yeah. Like, cause that's what I am now. I'm still the same ambitious dude. I've always freaking been, you know, and my goals are, are extremely, extremely high but I'm so freaking grateful for everything I have in life. And now that I've really kind of opened up to this law of 100, 100, it's really uh, taken a lot of uh, mental weight off my shoulders. That's awesome, man. Especially now that you're able, I don't know, like the, I don't want to be like cheesy with it, but be able to like enjoy the moment and not to keep thinking that you got to take the next step. But to actually enjoy the fact that you're looking to find the next step. Yeah, I'm doing both. Yeah. I'm, 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 I am enjoying the moment. And while I'm enjoying the moment, I'm always thinking about improving it as well. And so it's like, it's, it's just, I've never, I never had that ability before. It was always one or the other. Either I was enjoying them, but so it's really given me the ability to do both, which is, has been really incredible. That's pretty rad, man. And that's got to make being in the gym that much more fun too. It's powerful, man. It's powerful at home. It's powerful in marriage. It's powerful in fatherhood. It's powerful as a coach. It's powerful. Try it. It's really good. Let's do, man. We're going to have to dive into that. But, you know, to get to that, 
you had to ask yourself a question, man. And I think that, you know, in our field, we got a, we got a lot of, a, a lot of answers. We tend to pretend that we have them all, but you know, I, I think in my opinion, we don't, we don't even know half the questions we need to ask yet. So following up with that, what is one question you feel like we're missing to ask, you know, and, and why do you think that that's important? And what, in, what impact do you think that that would have on the vocation that we're part of? I think it was this podcast. We talked about it, but for me, that's, I'm, I'm very, very uh, intentional about like it's skill acquisition and, and, and translation to sport to me is where we still are. So like we look through things in such a reductionist lens. It's not even funny. The kid got strong. His, his squat went up, his bench went up, his clean went up. The kid got stronger. Well, strength is all a definition of, of how it's expressed in the sport to me, right? And unless you're a weightlifting coach, if you're involved with the sport, there's a whole nother layer to that equation. Okay. I'm training Jay DeMeo. We got his flying 10 time down. He's faster. What's your definition of speed? Like, is he playing the game faster or not? Because there's a whole other equation that there's cognitive speed, there's processing speed, there's how can he express that speed in the sport, in the game? So to me, we don't – now, there's some people doing a great job with this now. And honestly, the thing is, like, I don't have the answer either. I know I'm sure as hell looking for it, but to me, I don't ever look at our data and go, okay, um, our verts went up by an average of three inches. We got more powerful. Like if our goal was just to get better vertical jumps, sure. But our goal is to help express those things on the playing field is to it, whether it, whether it be skill acquisition or translation of those biomotor abilities, there's a whole nother conversation that we don't have nearly enough. Now, the fun thing with where we are now at Kansas is like, we got everything, the force plates, 1080s, elite form. Like we, so it's helping us answer, you know, we had a hundred GPS catapult units, things I've never had before. So it's definitely helping us answer the questions a whole hell of a lot better. Um, but there's so many more layers to that question. And we just sit there. I, I feel like a strength coaches and like we look at our numbers at the end of summer and we go, Hey, we did our jobs. Hey, the rest hey, position coaches don't just don't mess it up now. And then I even challenge like position coaches sometimes or actual sport code, basketball, whatever it may be, like you're doing a drill to acquire a skill. Are you just doing the drill to do the drill? Or are you like, what skill are you actually trying to acquire by doing the drill that you're doing? Are we thinking about it in that much depth or are we just looking at it at face value? So I do think more people are asking that question, but we are way too, as an industry reductionist and in how we look at that to me, of really what our jobs are. You know, as I tell every recruit that comes in here, you are not coming here to sign with Kansas football to play weightlifting. You are coming here to play football. So if everything in some form or fashion we do in this weight room or on the field and training doesn't translate to your sport, then I'm not doing my job. And so I just think that, that you know, if you wanna do that, that and that's where you wanna end the conversation, go be a weightlifting coach. And the goal is to get, get a power clean max up, go be a weightlifting coach. Um, but if you're going to be a sport coach or you're going to be a, a strength agent coach in a, in a sport performance industry, there's a whole nother layer of that question. We got to start freaking asking a heck of a lot more. Yeah. And it's hard, man. It's hard to find those answers. 
very challenging, very challenging. And that's, that's, there's no, but I mean, how exciting is that though? Like we're, we're our layer of, we're our layer of in, in this, in the, in the history of this profession. Like to me, that's our job. Now there are a lot of things we've gotten in books and we've gotten to just be handed and passed on down to us. To me, this is our job. Like this is our job to start to quantify and figure this shit out a little bit um, and help the next generation of strength coaches to know how to answer this question a little bit. But what does that, what does that start with? It starts with asking, asking, getting the wrong answers, getting the answers you're really not looking for. And so I think we're getting better, but to me, that's, it's like our responsibility. We owe it to this profession and the future of it to start asking deeper, deeper seated questions about that. Yeah, man. And I, I love that you're sitting there and you're not just, you're not just peeling back the onion to try to find what your the answers that you want. You're peeling back the onion to find out if what you're doing actually matters. And then if yes or no, how can you then divert, improve, take steps back, whatever it may be, to do what's best for those guys? 100%. 100%. And there's, there's gotta be a, like I said, I think we're getting closer to some of the answers. Um, and it's a little tough too, cause it's, it's a combination. I think in order to get the answers, you gotta have really good relationships with your, with your coaches, your actual sport coaches. Um, I think you need to be, you need to be very well versed with your sport. You need to get in the film room. You need to be able to watch things. You need to understand the sport uh, significantly more than I think most sports performance coaches understand theirs. Um, I just think we need, we need to start, we need to start shifting a little more that direction. Yeah, dude, I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if we're not impacting the performance, it, we're not impacting anything, you know, and it's just, it's always been hard, right? Because there's still, comes back to that conversation of how do we define what we do? How do we define success? As a strength coach, how do we evaluate, you know, performance coaches, which I'm sure is a, probably a lot more fun conversation to have with, with beers or bourbon on the table. But, you know, um, it's before noon, so I refuse to do that. But anyway, as we get going with this, I think that that's where all of this ties back in, right? Is it's it's still hard because being the weightlifting coach is the easy way to say, look, I did my job. I should get X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And, and uh, to plug the, to plug the clinic one more time here, Jay, uh, that's kind of actually what I'm going to be present. That's partially about what I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive a lot deeper into that at the clinic, talk through that, that a lot. Evaluation, translation, skill acquisition. Yeah. And how that can help us all be better is just, it's great. But again, like, you know, Uncle Bob is right. It, it still comes back to how are we going to define what is a successful performance coach? And I think that, you know, until those metrics are able to be actually utilized and shown to be things, you know, I mean, love people love to say, well, it's your injury numbers. There are a trillion different factors that impact injuries. And it like, we had a guy miss a game, jumped up, grabbed a rebound, landed on a guy's foot, roll his ankle. I mean, like, listen, you know, 
Isaac Newton, they're not theories, they're laws, right? Like what goes up comes down. And if you come up and land on something, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the land on a guy's foot, prevent the ankle sprain exercise. You know, like, what are you going to do sometimes? But where we can find things and better ways to better serve these young men and women for what really matters to them and how you're trying to do that, I think, I think is awesome. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll throw this nugget out there too. So I was I was at Akron for seven years, and the year that wasn't even really remotely close, quote unquote, most successful year in the off season as far as if you took our top speeds, strength numbers, any number you could find, if you took the top percentages of them, they were the highest they'd ever been, and then if you took the averages of them, they were the highest they'd ever been. So. Not only were our top performers the highest performers they'd ever been, not only was our team averages the highest they'd ever been, not only was our basement, our bottom numbers, the highest they'd ever been, all inclusively, every marker you could measure, 40s, 10s, flying 10s, verts, you name it. It was, in that in that regard, the best year of my career over those seven-year span at Akron. You know what happened at the end of that season, Jay? I can guess what happened. We got fired. Yeah. And we went four and eight. So once again, I'm I'm not saying I'm all I'm saying is there's a lot more to it than that. You gotta have players, you gotta have, but at the end of the day, obviously it didn't translate enough. Now there's a million other factors that go into it and the success of a football team or any sport. And I totally get that. But all I'm saying is. I hope just that what I just said is enough for people to at least go, yeah, you know, maybe there's something else we should be thinking of as well. There's just a, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, man. It's wild like that. Cause I can tell you that like probably two of the four best off seasons we had, we lost 20 games. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there's just a uh, man, there's, there is so much, so much, culture to to cohesion to man it's a it's a big it's what's so much fun about it there are so many so many things that go into it that ain't just strength and conditioning or sports performance there is boy vast vast jay vast well the whole thing is vast man and it, it's vast and it's a lifestyle and it's things that impact all other things that we do and look at and i think that that's why the third question is important too, bro. And that is, uh, what's a major change that you have made in your career that has improved your life both at and away from work? And what brought you to that crossroad? Um, okay, I, I would go another kind of uh, philosophy type thing. So I'm really into this stuff, coach. I like like meditations by Marcus Aurelius and some of these older uh, philosophy books and it's it's to me it's i think every base basic human being should read these things uh just for a way to to navigate and and kind of maneuver through life and what it all throws at us but it's just a, it's a slight mindset shift so when i became a father um in 2020 this idea of sacrifice once again kind of like i talked about the the 100 law of 100 100 uh, the word and idea sacrifice, it really, it really started to wear on me a little bit of where kind of that same thing, that idea of anxiety and guilt of, 
if I was spending a ton of time with my daughter, I felt like I'm taking away from my career. If I spend a bunch of time at work and with my guys and, and really work on relationships, I feel like I was taking a lot away from my daughter. If I was doing those things, I realized, well, shit, like where's time for my wife? And then where's time for my personal development? And so it was always sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Well, kind of just reading through, I can't, I honestly, I can't even give credit to where, where I got this because I can't necessarily remember, but this concept of getting word of the, of uh, getting rid of the word sacrifice in your vocabulary and putting in the word exchange. So my, my, my purpose on this earth is to help young men uh, the best I can to give them the tools to, to maneuver through life. Like, I, I know that's my purpose. Um, yeah, am I supposed to be a husband and a father for sure, but the God given abilities that I've had to do what I, what I do, uh, it'd be an absolute shame to not, to not help make people better and give them tools to navigate through life and be productive members of society. And, and that's what I feel most strongly about. And so when I talk about exchanging time for my purpose from my family, that's a valuable exchange. I don't feel, you know, I don't feel bad. I don't use that word sacrifice. I'm, I'm exchanging this time for this outcome to fulfill my purpose. I'm exchanging. So the concept of sacrifice versus exchange uh, to me has, has been a lot. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like this. Like if I said, Hey Jay, I want you to just, just give me a hundred bucks. Sacrifice just give me a hundred bucks. You'd be like, what? Like, wh why would I just sacrifice a hundred dollars? But if I say, hey, Jay, I want you, I want you to exchange a hundred bucks to me. And in return, I'll give you this really cool suit. Right. Well, okay, I'll I'll make that exchange. That's a valuable exchange to me. Or maybe it's not. And then also you know what to say yes and no to. That's not a valuable exchange to me. I'm not going to do that. That is a valuable exchange to me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to come speak at the clinic. Uh, with you because that's a really valuable exchange to me. It gives me a platform and opportunity to talk to a ton of people to help them get better at their profession. That's part of my purpose. That's a valuable exchange to me. So uh, sacrifice for the exchange has helped me mentally with that processing, but at the same time, it really helps guide all my decisions now. Is that a valuable exchange or is it not a valuable exchange? And if it's not, then I'm not going to do it. If it is, it kind of helps me with to say yes and no to as clinics and all those kind of things come across my desk. Um, so that mindset would be the thing I, I would say, coach. I love that. You know, it's like the whole idea of get to and have to. Um, total different thing with that. That's literally the second time I've had someone bring up meditations in the last 48 hours. So I just ordered it. I guess I have to <laughs> read this because it's like, this obviously has something going. It's helping people. So I'm going to have to get this on uh, on our next road trips here, you know, when I finish what I'm going through right now. But, um, but yeah, dude, like, because at the end of the day, right, all we do is exchange things, whether it be time for money, whether it be, uh, you know, opportunities that we have at places where, you know, you can't be in two places at once. You can't really do two things at once you can't be you know completely focused at two things at once so that whole idea of what am i exchanging for i think is absolutely phenomenal yeah it's it's very it's very helpful for sure and it's even you know like the hours you put in you know here in the office away from your family like once again it's i'm exchanging some of those hours 
to set my family up and put them in a good position to be able to do the things they want to do and my daughter's thing they want to do someday. And so it just, to me, it just, it, it's the perspective is really good. Another really good one too, Jay, is uh, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. That's another really good, uh, I, like I said, one of my, one of my favorite philosophy um, type books. I would definitely, if, if you're going down that rabbit hole, that would be a really good one to, to go to. That was probably my top two favorite just if you're going to talk about philosophy and the, the laws of, of discipline and all those kind of things, those are, those are, I, I feel like if you read those two books, you'd have a pretty good grip on, on some really historic uh, philosophy. I know. All right. So uh, those will be in my, my place probably when we get back here from this road trip. So there we go. Uh, so yeah, so the questions that people typically ask, uh, you know, what's Greybeard reading now? Um, yep, those are the two. So guys, I won't have to answer that for a couple of weeks because this will take a <laughs> couple flights to get through, I hope. But yeah, man, I appreciate that, Sleeve. That's big time. Hey, anytime, man. Well, yeah, brother. Listen, man, stoked, stoked to get you down to Canton to play HQ. Can't wait to catch up, you know, hang out for a bit talk shop and of course you know for the awesome presentation that you're going to give to the to the people in attendance this is going to be an absolute blast bro thank you so much yeah hey i got before you go i gotta ask you i asked you this on the phone but it's everyone's got to hear it is what's the biggest thing you learned in 2022 you know i've actually thought about this man there's like there's a few answers but i think that like you know the biggest one now is that I need to be better at leaving things at work, you know, especially right now in this time when we're four games in 10 days, um, like actually finding better ways to leave things at work um, and not bring them home. Um, other than that, I think the one that I said is that date night is not an option. Yeah. Date night monthly is not an option. And I hope Tiff hears this and holds me to it and you know because it keeps everything else in perspective it keeps everything else happy and it's just good for everything about us to keep that going and yeah and that that's that's so important too for what you even do in the office one one thing we do uh every friday when we, in our staff meeting kind of our we do a daily review you know we'll always meet before and meet after to re review whatever we did um, what we have coming up the next day, so on and so forth. But we always end that meeting um, where everyone kind of goes around the room and talks about, one, what are you going to do for self-care uh, today, this weekend, whatever it may be. But then, two, what are you going to do for your significant other? What what do you need to change? What can you Whether it's date night, bring them home flight, what is – so we kind of make everybody go around and vocalize what it is uh, just because by – simply by vocalizing something, you're significantly more likely to follow through on it. So – Little, I know that's that's helped me tremendously because by me trying to hold my staff accountable to taking care of their home lives, it's obviously forced me to to always keep that in the front of my brain as well of of how those things happen. So I couldn't agree more. We can't, you know, there's nothing we can do that we want to do without the support from home. And uh, you don't take care of that, uh, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to get where you want to get. So. I loved when I asked you the other day. I loved your answer, and uh, it's something that I don't think we probably talk about enough. So I appreciate you sharing that uh, on the podcast. Amen, brother. Amen. Appreciate you, bro, as always, man.
this was great. Can't wait to catch up in a few months now. And, and as always, brother, we'll be in touch soon. See you in ATL, baby. Yeah, man. And as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.